and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Well, today I want to talk to you about one of the parables of Jesus. How many know if, or maybe you have a Bible that has red letters in it in the New Testament? And those red letters stand for every word that Jesus spoke. Those are the, the words of Jesus. How many knew that, right? Of course, you all knew that. So that's found in, in the four Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the parable I want to talk to you about today is the parable of the four soils. The four different soils. Everybody say four soils. Do I have any gardeners out here? First of all, anybody that likes to work with your hands, raise your hand if, if you're a gardener, if you like just to be outdoors. Raise your hand if you like to eat other people's vegetables, right? You see, that's the majority of you. That's the majority. I like to work in the garden. I like to, to plant and to watch things grow. There's something satisfying about watching that. And I don't know about you, but that's what I get. I like to see something from the beginning to the end. And I love my tomatoes. I love tomatoes. So um, I really miss living in Napa. I've mentioned it to you before. Grow, or living now in Vallejo, the weather's so cool. It's, it's so cold. You can't grow tomatoes like I could in Napa. And I miss that. It's one cycle and it's over. And, and they don't keep giving. And, uh, but uh, I would go out into my garden and, and plant and watch it grow. And then just go out there and pick it and just take a salt shaker with me. And I'm a happy camper right there. How many, how many know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, today this parable that I want to talk to you about, first of all, let me tell you what a parable is. It's an extended metaphor or illustration. It's an illustration turned into a tale, a tale elaborated on the spur of the moment by the speaker or by a gifted teacher such as Jesus. Jesus was the master parable teacher. How many know that? He, he taught in many parables. In the Gospels, you'll find these parables. And like most illustrations, parables usually have one central point. Not many, just typically one central point. Jesus was accustomed to preaching to a crowd with a wide range of understanding and attitudes. And so he based each parable on the common everyday events that made up first century life. That's what a parable was all about. Parables illustrate important truths about Christ's kingdom, truths which demand a response. But here's the sad fact that our rebellion and our pride and our sin often close our mind and hinder our response to what God is actually looking from us. Have you ever wondered why the same sermon will produce strikingly different results in people? You can go home as a family today and one person may say, that's the greatest sermon I ever heard. And the other person just look at that person and say, what you talking about, Willis? You know, and uh, sometimes, and don't worry, I won't get offended if you've never heard a great sermon a year. The point is, every one of us will receive it in a different way. Have you seen that and found that to be true? You can walk out. And say, that was the greatest thing I've seen since sliced bread or a homemade tortilla and with butter. And, and, and walk out and just be blessed. But uh, what I want to talk to you about this afternoon is how, how is it, for instance, that some people seem unable to grasp the simplest and most obvious spiritual truths 
while others are transformed by them. Completely transformed. I always pray this prayer before you get here. When I'm praying at home, I pray that when people walk in through these doors, that they would not leave the same. That they would be transformed within your heart, your spirit. And and that's what I'm talking about here. That's what Jesus was talking about when he preached and taught about parables. In this parable of the sower, which we're going to read, Jesus talks about different types of soil in order to tell us why this happened. So if you wouldn't uh, mind standing with me just for a couple of moments more, let's stand as we read from our sermon text. It's found in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 8, and you have it on your handout. I make it real simple for you to follow along. Luke chapter 8, when you have that, say amen. Was, I didn't hear you say amen when you have that. Amen. There we go. Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to start reading in verses 5 through 8. And it says the following. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now let's skip down to verse 11 in that same chapter and pick it up there. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, They are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear from the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Let me pray right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you now for your spoken word, your written word. And now we pray, God, that your anointing would uh, be upon us, that we would receive from your word, that you would show us what exactly it is that your word is telling us today in 2019 and how it applies to our lives. And so, Father, I pray that transform our minds, our thinkings. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Amen. All right. Well, it is springtime. It is uh, planting time. How many have already started their gardens and and got things going? Good for you. You you beat me and uh, I'm working on it, but uh, I will be right behind you. Amen. But uh, I do enjoy doing that and watching that whole process. And this was the custom back then during the time of Jesus that the custom was that they would make the, uh, they called them pharaohs or the rows. And how many have seen this still in some places where they scatter the seeds by hand? They would scatter. They'd have a pouch here and they'd scatter the seeds. In fact, here, let me show you something. 
right here, I have a bunch of mustard seeds. How many remember these illustrations I've given in the past with mustard seeds? And they would grab a handful of these and they would broadcast them. They would just throw them out. And of course, the seeds going wherever. It's not like it is nowadays where, where, you, where machines do this job. Or you, you go down rows and you're, with a machine, you're actually dropping down seeds into the spot that you need it. But back in the day, they used to use just their hand. And, and so seeds would get everywhere. And Jesus was using that illustration of how the seed falls on different types of soil. Now, this is, this is uh, what the sower, the farmer, would do. He would spread and cast the seeds out. But this afternoon, I want to show you how to identify the tactics used by our enemy to hinder spiritual growth and transformation of your soul. So I've titled this sermon, The Enemy of the Seed. Everybody say that, The Enemy of the Seed. Because the there is an enemy of the seed, including the one in your garden. I believe the gospel message is sown to everybody. Everybody that has an ear to hear will hear the gospel at some point in their life. What is that gospel? It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died on a cross on the third day, rose again. And those that believe that accept Jesus into their life will have eternal life, everlasting. Amen? So that, that's the gospel in a, in a nutshell. God gives every one of us an opportunity to hear that gospel. You may be... Five years old when you hear that, or you may be 75 years old when you hear that. God gives every one of us an opportunity. But here, know this today, that, that Satan knows that if the word of God gets planted in your soul, if it gets planted in here, if there's a desire for you to want to know it, to want a desire for it, he will try to snatch that away from you. He will snatch it away from you. Real quick, like he will do his job to keep that seed from germinating. See, the seed wants to germinate and you're going to do your best to, to grow it. But the enemy of your soul will attempt to take that seed from you. You wonder why some people sometimes, as I mentioned, will hear the same sermon. One will be blessed. The other will be empty and, and not have a desire to even ever want to hear another one for the rest of their life. How can that be? The same seed, the same word, affected two different people two different ways. And so I want to talk to you some more about that this afternoon. Here, the first example the Lord gives is, is the wayside soil. The, the, the soil is actually, compared to this, compared to your, to your lawn and your sidewalk. The wayside soil would be like your sidewalk. It's, it's seed that lands on your sidewalk. It's hard. It's never going to grow there. When your soil, when soil is hard and compacted, any farmer, anybody that's grown a plant knows that seeds cannot grow in that type of environment. Do you, did you pick that up? If you're hardened, if your spirit is hardened to the life that, that's beat you up, and, and I know that life is not fair. Nobody ever said life was going to be fair. How many know that? Life will beat you up and spit you out. But that's why we have a loving God that's there to catch you, to protect you, to love for you and care for you. How many have experienced that? Right? So again, life can be very hard, can be very tough. We all go through emotional processes, ups and downs. That's why I love that poem, Footprints, about how we, we, this man saw his life flashed out. and He saw one pair of footprints 
Um, and during his most difficult times, he just saw one set of footprints, what, what were two originally, him and Jesus walking, and all of a sudden he saw one pair. And he questioned God, is why would you leave me during those most difficult times? And he said, son, I didn't leave you. I was carrying you. I carried you through, the, through those most difficult times. And, and sometimes we fail to realize that we're not battling this life alone. God has a plan for you and I. Amen? He has a plan to walk with you and to care for you. So this wayside soil, this hard soil, needed to be plowed, but it wasn't plowed. And that's why it didn't grow there. It was where people walked, the hard, densely packed earth along the road or well-worn path. The difference between good soil and that compacted soil, hardened soil, is like I said, the difference between your lawn and your sidewalk, if you can imagine that. So the, the word is not going to grow in a, in a hard, compacted soil. And today I'm talking about your spiritual soil. Each of you have a spiritual soil. Each of you do. The sidewalk is far too hard for good seed to grow in it. No matter how much water you throw on that seed, it ain't going to grow on the sidewalk. It's not going to grow. In this parable, Jesus, this soil represents people whose hearts and souls are hardened and unreceptive to the seed of God's word. All of you have met people that are known as atheists that don't believe in a, in a God or a higher power, what they would call a higher power. And, and uh, maybe some of you work with atheists, and very difficult to have spiritual conversations with people like that. And your job is never, ever to win an argument with them, or to debate them. Your job is just to love them, and to share what God's given you. And I've always told you this, your testimony is the most powerful tool you can use when you share with somebody like that. How many know that's the truth right there? These people may be even exposed to the word, even on a regular basis, but they are like these people that Jesus mentioned. They are those who hear, but don't listen. Did you catch what Jesus said at the beginning of that? He said, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. See, not everybody will have an ear to hear. They'll hear it, but it's like when we were kids and and our mom and dad were yelling at us, and it went in one ear and out the other ear. Oh, come on, don't, don't look at me like that. You all know what I'm talking about here today. All of you were like that. It went in one ear and out the other. And Jesus is saying there will be people like that who choose not to listen. They'll hear it, but they're not listening. When Mark tells this story in, in the book of Mark in chapter 4, he adds that when Satan comes... And takes the words from a hardened heart. He does it immediately. Be careful when you hear a message that is transformational. That is transforming of your spirit and of your mind. That the enemy doesn't steal that from you. Because see the enemy knows that once you have something planted in your spirit. It's going to germinate. It's going to grow. And they'll try to snatch it away. And the greatest example of that is in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. What were some of the words that were spoken? By the serpent, uh, Satan, he said, did God really say? Did God really promise? He questioned the word of God every single time. In fact, the Bible calls him the, the liar, the deceiver. So anytime 
the, the devil is mentioned know that his job is just there to steal, kill, and destroy, to steal from you. And he wants to steal that seed that is growing in you, that spiritual seed. So again, we have to be careful and guard our hearts. Guard our hearts. Amen? He doesn't want, the, Satan doesn't want this soil to become softened. Because if the soil becomes soft, then it's able to be, uh, to sprout a crop, to germinate when it's soft. See, when it's hardened, it's very, very difficult for anything to grow in a hardened heart. How many have been there before know what I'm talking about? Your heart can become hardened due to life's tribulations, things that you face. Your heart can become very hardened. And God knows that. And it's during those times that you're hurt that God is really reaching out to you. But a lot of times what happens is our pride jumps in and wants to say, okay, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm out. I'm out right now. How many know what I'm talking about? Somebody talk to you or offend you and you want to give it right back to them. What does the Lord say? Turn the other cheek, right? And so again, we don't want to have a hardened heart because nothing can grow in a hardened heart. I want you to think about that today. If you're sitting here today with a hardened heart, think about that. The soil in our spirit must be softened up. See, the sa- Satan must get the seed while it's still on compacted ground, on hard ground. See, if you didn't get attacked or if the seed has not been stolen from your life at this point, it's because you're now growing into a mature believer into a mature Christian. You're not as easily offended as you were when you were a child. How many remember their, or have seen this in their children? You take away a toy from them and they throw a temper tantrum, right? And sometimes we as adults, we get our toys taken away, our iPads, our computers, our laptops, whatever it may be, a toy, and we can throw a fit if we're not careful. But we we are growing into mature and victorious people. How many are thankful for that? Yes. Now, I want to talk to you real quickly about three quick points on, on this message here. Number one, if we do not use it, we will lose it. If we do not use it, we will lose it. First of all, raise your hand. Those that like gardening again, raise your hand. Because some of you know this right here. Those of you that like gardening... You know that before you plant, before you sow, you got to work the soil. How many know that? you got to cultivate the soil. Uh, how many remember, you know, even if you didn't have a rototiller, you took a shovel, boom, and you broke up the soil. And there's nothing worse than breaking up hard soil. It's a tough job. And you got to break that soil up to make it soft so that a crop can grow there. Those of us that were raised here in this valley know that principle very well. Hard soil is not going to produce a good crop. You need fertile soil, rich soil. And so you must cultivate it. Cultivate that soil. You cultivate when the soil has become dry and hard. And there are proper ways to cultivate soil. Cultivating, again, is, is just simply breaking up the soil. Breaking it up in your garden. And when you first cultivate, you know what happens? You first remove the weeds. The weeds are gone. You remove them. So, number one, they're gone. Secondly, you optimize the retention of air and and water, the qualities that it needs, the nutrients that that the soil needs. You optimize that by breaking up the soil. (coughs) 
In the same way, a hardened soul and refusal to hear God's point of view makes a person worse off than if he had never heard at all. And, and you know, our, our Lord loves us. There's this amazing grace as the song was sung this, this afternoon about how, how we have this unmerited favor, this love that he pours out for us. But even with that, we can become hardened. We can become hardened to his, his word. We can, we're so spoiled in this generation and in this country. We really are. I was talking to someone this afternoon before service about how when we go to our Mexico missions trip and we come back, it's just a, a rejuvenation. It's a, it's a mindset change. It's a reset here in our, in our minds of how fortunate we are to have the things that we have here. Because not everybody has what you and I here have. Not everybody has a comfy padded chair in a nice protected building like this. Not everybody has that. And here we take these things for granted. And the Lord doesn't want us ever to take things for granted. Amen. Amen. So when there's no growth due to hardness, what little the hardened person has will be taken away. We've got to be careful with that. In fact, I would even go as far as to say this. It's possible for even saved people, those that have a relationship with Christ, to become hardened and allow Satan to steal that seed. You can become so hurt. And, and here's what happens. Somebody will say a cutting remark, a biting remark, and it will throw you back. And you have two choices there. Right there, you have two choices. The first, you remember the old, the old commercial? Who was it? The old actor. And it was the battery commercial. And it was the good one and the bad angel. I think it was something like that. And, and there's two voices speaking to you at that moment. And uh, they're, they're, they're saying, come on, bite him back, bite him back, hit him back, hit him back. And then the other one say, no, take a step back and look at the big picture and tell me. And, and this is what I say to myself in a lot of those situations. Is this going to make a difference a year from now? Is this going to make a difference... Six months from now, 30 days from now, what I may say back in anger. And you know what the answer usually is? No, it's not going to make a difference. Well, then zip it. And I zip it because how many know our immediate reaction is to bite back? That's our immediate reaction. And, and, and that's why it's so easy to become hardened. And, and we got to be careful with that type of attitude because we can be hard we can be become bitter and bitterness is one of the toughest things to let go of and if you've ever been bitter you understand what i'm talking about it's possible even for saved people to become hardened and allow satan to steal that seed james chapter 1 and verse 21 says this therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Did you know that the devil wants to get or keep the seed of God's word from taking root in your soil? He wants to stop that from growth. And John chapter 10, verse 10, listen to the words of Jesus, what Jesus says here. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it to the fullness. So again, the Lord has a plan for you to prosper you, to grow that seed that was planted in your heart and in your spirit. He wants to see you pass that on to your children, your grandchildren, that wherever you go, 
that this seemingly this light of Christ would, would shine through you to other people, that they would say, I want what you have. And, and how many want that? How many desire that? Especially in our day and, and generation that we live in. Every day we open up a newspaper, read the news, and there's something God-awful that we're reading about that we thought we'd never live to see. Uh, just this week I was reading um, and watching this video online of, of, a, of a man beating an elderly woman on a bus, kicking her in the face. And people are standing there videotaping it, recording it, and not doing anything. They're just standing back watching this. There's grown adults watching this take place. On, and she's, she's a defenseless elderly lady. Can you? That's what's going on in our day and, and generation. So again, we need to be aware that that seed that's planted in our life is, is for a plan and a purpose. Number two, the growth requires... The growth process requires time and patience. I don't know about you, but I'm not the most patient person in the world. I get that from my dad. I'll tell you that right now. And you know what? Um, we need to have patience when we're growing, when we're gardening. I plant, I, I don't really go and get the seeds now. I just go down to Home Depot, just like you all do, and buy the little plants, and we plant them and watch them grow. Um, I don't have that much patience to plant the seeds because it just takes so long. And, and our environment, our climate just isn't conducive to growing them. And so I want those tomatoes today. I don't want those Costco tomatoes, those Safeway tomatoes, those Walmart tomatoes. Yuck. They have no flavor. How many know what I'm talking about? I want those grape or those vine-grown tomatoes. And in the same way, God plants a seed in you, but there's a process. There's a process. I look at you and, and all of you here that have started coming to our, ch our church and those that are here today, I see where God's brought you from to where you're at today. The battles you've faced, the things you've overcome as in your health, in your families, to see where you're at today, it's amazing. But it's been a process, hasn't it? It's been a process. Did you know that all truth comes to us in seed form? All truth. It's a seed that's thrown out there. It's a seed that's that's cast out there. And it's what you do with that truth that depends, that, that, that's, that tells you where you're going to go. Did you know that God didn't give us chairs? He gave us trees. And I love that. That was from T.D. Jakes. Just thought I'd throw that in. He gave us uh, trees, not chairs. He gave us the acorn, not the oak tree. It's all a process. He gave us little ones that grow up in your family. And now they're growing up. My oldest granddaughter is about to be 21 years old. 21 years old. And I'm only 39. I have no idea how that's happening. God gave us the seed, not the tomato plant. Well, I want you to repeat this phrase with me. The growth process... Requires time, and patience. requires time and patience. That is the truth right there. And that pertains to our families, our children, ourselves. We need to be patient. 
We're still a work in progress. How many know that? We are a work in progress, and you have permission to elbow your spouse right now. You are a work in progress. When we hear God's word, we are hearing it in a way that is not yet developed in your life. Did you know that? When you hear God's word, which was, pre, which was spoken over 2,000 years ago and still relevant today, it's not yet developed in your life, in your life. It's new every day, and it's new for you. It's not yet developed. It's a process, and it requires time and patience. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 2 through 3 say this, Like newborn babes, Crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In order for the seed to become developed, to fully grow, there must be a growth process. There has to be a growth process. We cannot get the product of spiritual maturity without going through the process. That means that you may be hurt in church, by some loving, God-fearing, believing Christian. Can you believe that? Someone here may offend you. God forbid, but that's a possibility. You know why? Because we're not perfect. None of us are. Behind every smiling face, there's, there's hurt. I've, I've known that. I've come to know that real quick as a pastor. And, and the other thing I learned is that hurting per- people hurt other people. Hurting people hurt other people. And that's another reason why you need to step back as the mature one and look at the big picture. Look at the big picture. We have to go through this maturing process. Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, says the following. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your path, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's really at the end of the day, what does God want from you? He wants you to be overflowing with gratitude. Question for you this afternoon. Are you overflowing with gratitude? Are you overflowing with gratitude? And if not, why not? Ask yourself that question. You know, one of the things here that's clear in this scripture, if you've ever planted, something that's firmly planted has deep roots. Have you ever tried pulling out weeds? They have deep roots. Weeds don't want to go anywhere. They want to set and stay there. And it takes work to get them out. It takes work to get something that's been firmly planted. It takes work to get that out of there. And sometimes that's, that's part of the maturing process. You have to work and, and weed your area. Once you planted a garden, doesn't mean it's all over. You got to go back out there and take care of it. You got to weed it. You got to take care of it. Sometimes you have to add nutrients to it. You have to add nutrients. You know what your nutrient is? Right here. This is your nutrient. It provides you strength, peace, everything that you need in your life to sustain you. And then my third point this afternoon is we need to reach children while they are young and open to Christ. We need to be diligent in instilling God's word in young hearts or even people that are just coming to know the Lord. 
You can be 55 and just be coming to know the Lord, not know nothing about anything, not know that there are 66 books in the Bible, not know that uh, Genesis or Genesis, as I used to call it when I first opened the Bible, I thought, Genesis? No, Genesis. And then there's this book about the Philippines. Oh, no, no, that's Philippians. Yeah, I didn't know. And I, I just knew the Bible had really pretty color pictures in it. And uh, then I started reading it. And it became real. And, and then when I made my trip to Israel, oh my goodness, it became alive. And um, so again, we, we need to teach our kids as young babes. Do me a favor right now. Look around you right now and see what's missing in our church. Look around. Just take a gander. Look to your left. Look to your right. And I'll tell you what's missing in our church. You know what's missing in our church? Young adults. Young adults. And that's not by accident. Most churches have very few young adults. And I'll tell you why. It's because the seed has been stolen from them. They're raised in this. They're raised going to church. They go to Christmas, Easter. They go on Sundays. But when the world gets a hold of them in college, in university, or their friends, and when they're out on their own, when they don't have to listen to mom and dad anymore, the world can often get a hold of them. And that's why in most churches now, the one deficit is young adults. And it's really a shame they don't come back until life's beat them up. And then they come back and they're working on their third marriage, fourth marriage, seven kids. And you know how it goes. People, they're beat up because life got a hold of them and they didn't know how to handle it. And here what the Lord wants to remind you is that we need to guard our heart, protect our heart from the enemy, from, from those that would want to steal the seed from you, the seed of spiritual growth. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says this, and you've all heard this scripture before. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is a truth. So they may not be in church right now, in fact, they may not even be living righteously right now. But if you taught them, grandmama's in here and grandpapa's in here and moms and dads and all so forth. If you taught them, they will remember. They will, this will come back into their heart at some point. Yeah. Psalms 46, 1 through 3 says this. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God wants to protect you. He is your strength, your refuge. Again, parents, we should seek to lead our children to Christ early. It's up to you. It's your responsibility, especially you men as leaders of your home. It's your responsibility to make sure that your children and your families know the word of God. Our world wants to harden our children. You know, one of the things that that I dislike very much is when we go to restaurants and, and, um, and you go out to eat. This could be even at your home, at the dinner table. And, and how many still have dinner as a family? You still have dinner as a family? Good for you. I highly recommend that. But here's the thing. Everybody sits down and right next to their plate, there's a phone. Put the phones away. I love what Gregory does. He's not here today. He told me one time, he puts them in a basket, right? Where's Gloria? Is she in here? Okay. I think he collects them. He puts them in a basket. 
and they put them aside so that nobody's checking their phone. But that's the problem. We sit down, and the point of that is that there's things on social media that will harden our children's heart. You know, they have access, access to so much garbage that you and I take for granted. We get so used to it that things don't bother us anymore. The, the programs you see on regular TV never would have made it on TV 20 years ago. The, the programs or the movies you see that are rated PG would have been rated R 10 years ago and on and on and on. So what can we do? What can we do? We've got to protect our hearts. We've got to teach our children and raise them the right way. And yeah, they're going to stumble along. They're going to find their way. But at the end of the day, they'll remember what you taught them. They'll remember what you shared with them. So right now, as I close, I would invite um, Bianca to come up here as we close. We're going to close in a song. Sometimes we have to pray difficult prayer for those whose hearts have become hard. I, I often pray. One of the most often heard prayer requests is, Pastor Rick, can you pray for so-and-so? They're going, you know, a grandson, a granddaughter, a niece, a nephew. They're going through a tough time. They're depressed. They're suicidal. It's just a common, common prayer request for young adults, young people. And we have to pray for them. We have to make sure we teach them to guard their hearts, guard their spirits. To be hard spiritually means to resist God. Are you resisting God today? I hope not. See, when that happens, it means the enemy can quickly rein in that person. And meanwhile, we need to pray that the Lord will break up the hard soil around us in our spirit. And sometimes that hurts to break up that soil. It can hurt, but it's for your good. It's for, your, for the purpose that God has for you. And I want to close with this prayer here. Psalm 51 and verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And the psalmist David wrote this at one of the most difficult times in his life. And he wrote this and it says this, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Is that your prayer today? Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me.